The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Any damage to Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia could spell catastrophe. We are playing with fire, and something very, very catastrophic could take place. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. For the president to take this important information down to his home in Florida is an outrage. It does not appear that everything was done quite appropriately. When people ask me what I miss most about the White House years, uh, it is not Air Force One that I talk about, although I miss Air Force One. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Nuclear inspectors issue a new warning in Ukraine. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as U.N. monitors demand a security zone now around what is Europe's biggest nuclear plant in the middle of a war zone. Vladimir Putin continues to target with shelling. We'll talk about the risk level and the prospect of nuclear diplomacy with an expert. Mariana Bujarin will join us from the Harvard Kennedy School's Belfer Center. Later, a document describing a foreign government's nuclear capabilities was among the trove at Mar-a-Lago, according to the Washington Post. We'll have the latest from Bloomberg legal reporter Eric Larson, and we'll run it all past the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano, along with Lester Munson of BGR Group, will join us. But first, a stark warning coming from U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres about fighting and specifically Russia's shelling near Europe's biggest nuclear plant in Ukraine, of course, currently occupied by Russia. I remain gravely concerned about the situation in and around the Zaporizhia plant, including reports of recent shelling. Let's tell it like it is. Any damage, whether intentional or not, to Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia or to any other nuclear facility in Ukraine could spell catastrophe, not only for the immediate vicinity, but for the region and beyond. Catastrophe, the same word used by Rafael Grossi, Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency. We are playing with fire, and something very, very catastrophic could take place. Despite the fact that inspectors gained access to the plant last week, UN inspectors, as Bloomberg reports now, they are demanding a halt to shelling and the immediate establishment of a security zone around the plant. That's all part of a 52-page report detailing damage to the facility. Again, Secretary General Guterres. As a first step, Russian and Ukrainian forces must commit not to engage in any military activity towards the plant site or from the plant site. Zaporizhia facility and its surroundings must not be a target or a platform for military operations. The potential exists for a nuclear accident here. This is why we're focusing on it today. And we're joined by an expert, as I mentioned, Mariana Bujaran, Senior Research Associate with the Project on Managing the Atom at Harvard Kennedy School's Belfer Center. Mariana, you're an expert on nuclear diplomacy. Will the inspectors get the security they're asking for here? 
Well, the inspectors are there to assess uh, the, the safety and security systems and protocols and the risks and dangers to the safe operation of the plant. Mm -hmm. This is what they can do. They're nuclear uh, experts, engineers. Uh, this is what they have accomplished in this, in this mission as much as it was possible under the circumstances. And they put that into the, uh, into the report that was presented to the UN Security Council yesterday and released to the public. Yeah. This is pretty much <laughs> the mandate of this organization, of the IEA. This is, um, you know, an organization that's called to promote uh, safe and secure uh, kind of peaceful uses of nuclear energy. It's not a kind of organization that can secure the perimeter of the plant. It right. doesn't have its own military forces, right? Um, and it, it can implement uh, a lot of the recommendations that it puts forth. It is for the larger international community, maybe the UN uh, and other states to take a uh, you know, direction from. Sure. While they ask for this, though, or demand it in the case of these inspectors, can can the U.N. get parties to the table to make that happen? Or is that a lost cause right now as long as Russia occupies the plant? Well, one of the most important recommendations in the report was for the so-called nuclear safety and security protection zone. Yeah. This is, in other words, the, the demilitarized zone that Ukrainians and uh, the uh, U.N. Secretary General Guterres uh, and other parties other states and leaders have been calling for. Right. Because, of course, having military forces in uh, any civilian nuclear facility, let alone Europe's largest <laughs> civ uh, nuclear power plant, is, is absolutely insane. Um, it's the, having that facility in the middle of a war zone and being played somehow for whatever it is the nefarious game uh, of the occupiers might be. Um, so the, the only real firm solution to the problem of, of the security uh, and safety of Zaporizhia nuclear power plant is to get the Russian military yeah. out of there. Now, uh, now how do you, you know, do that, though, how, before you go on? Do you mean militarily they must be forced out or this would be, this would involve a negotiation to create that security zone? I guess I'm asking, how do you achieve that? Uh, because we've been asking the White House uh, quite quite often over the last week and a half, and the U.S. will not be part of creating a demilitarized zone there. That's going to have to happen with the people already on the ground. Well, indeed, Joe, that is the, the big question on the table. Uh, one of the ways to do this, of course, would be to deploy a U.N. peacekeeping force. Uh, to deploy a U.N. peacekeeping force, there needs to be a decision of U.N. Security Council mm -hmm. and the Russian Federation, the, one of the belligerents and a perpetrator of uh, of these security threats to Zaporizhia, it has a veto power uh, on the Security Council. So we can be pretty sure that that route is a dead end. Okay. Now, the uh, NATO allies and the United States, as you mentioned, have said they will not deploy their own troops because that would make them essentially uh, parties to the conflict. That would make them belligerents yeah. in this conflict. Uh, and we've heard time and again, even before this war had started, that U.S. will not put uh, the boots on the ground. Neither will uh, would either um, other NATO allies. And there's a good reason for it. Uh, NATO is a nuclear armed alliance. The United States is a nuclear superpower. And so is Russia. Even, uh, you know, in the days of the Cold War, uh, those two nuclear superpowers 
have made efforts to avoid direct military confrontation yeah. exactly for the fear of, of nuclear escalation. We should note that two uh, inspectors remain at the plant to monitor uh, developments there. Uh, Mariana, tell me what's going on. I, I can't figure out the motivations here. What's Russia actually doing? Is this about gaining ground or is this about using the plant for leverage, knowing that if there was a huge meltdown, and I'm going to ask you later uh, about what really could go on here, how, how badly this could get, this would impact Russia just as much as Ukraine. So what's Vladimir Putin doing with that plant? What Vladimir Putin uh, is doing with the plant uh, is a question that only Vladimir Putin can answer definitively. What we can deduce from the situation is that perhaps there really is uh, a plan that the Russians have for disconnecting Zaporizhia uh, nuclear power plant from the Ukrainian grid. Yes, uh, which they've succeeded in at credit. this point. At this point, they've succeeded, and they're trying to do it in such a way as to blame it on the Ukrainians. And they uh -huh. can r maintain uh, denying, right, and maintain some kind of deniability because there isn't anyone who can ascertain who's shelling who. This, even with the uh, IEA mission there, that's not their mandate. That's not their competence. They're nuclear uh, engineers. They're nuclear safety specialists. Uh, they cannot establish and be a credible voice in saying where where does the shelling come from? They're not ballistic specialists, for instance. So um, even with this mission on the ground, during the, the the travel of the mission, during the stay of the mission, even right now, two people remain on the ground. There's yeah. still military activity around the plant. So Russia is not stopping that because because it it can continue right there's no uh there's nothing anybody can do unfortunately yeah. what happens if the um, shelling continues can... what what's the first thing that goes wrong here so it seems there's two scenarios one is that russia really wants to use this as a as a sort of weapon right to mm -hmm. to instigate some kind of a major accident for whatever reason you know intentionally target the reactor core or the spent fuel pools which are you know the the, the sites the places that contain a large amount of nuclear material yep. um i that would be really the worst case scenario but i also think that's the least likely scenario okay. because as you mentioned earlier should there be a major accident um you know and and there is a release of radioactivity into the atmosphere into the environment it's really up to the weather from that point on and the weather huh. could blow all of this radioactivity uh towards russia sure. as well now you know of course we can also say does Putin really care? <laughs> the way he treats his own people and his own soldiers has not exactly been indicative uh, that, you know, he cares about the well-being of his people. Yes, but, right. but I think that really would be, you know, uh, a very dire scenario and, and probably the least likely sure. one. So what's your what's more, more likely, likely scenario? The more likely one is that as as uh, Director General Grossi said, they're playing with fire. There's a game in which this plant is, is a pawn, as it were, as a tool. Whether that game is uh, to disconnect the, the plant from the Ukrainian grid and reconnect it or connect it to a Russian control grid to power the occupied territories, oh. or simply to deprive Ukraine of this asset, right? I think that that alone would already be enough, uh, you know, just to cause that damage, to cause that hurt. 
But in doing so, they want to blame it on the Ukrainians. And therefore, you have the shelling, you have this military activity. So far, it has not hit any of the really critical systems like the cooling systems that remain intact. And the emergency diesel generators normally kick in when the offsite power is lost. Mm -hmm. So there really hasn't been a major nuclear event. And there are still some safety systems and precautions and backup systems that wow. that that are there to to safeguard um, uh, from from something major happening yeah. but i just would like to impress on you and and the listeners that the reason why this is truly playing with fire is that there's a lot of unintentional uh, and accidental stuff that's that it. could the happen in the middle for an of the accident point. that's exactly right mariana i want to thank you for joining us I wish we had more time as we dance on the edge of this nuclear power plant. Maria Bujarin, I'm Joe Matthew. The panel is next. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. 
Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. This is the first time in the 65-year history of the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, that monitors had to cross an active battlefront in order to carry out their inspections, which may help to put this all in perspective. We have never seen anything quite like what is happening right now in southern Ukraine. Remembering, of course, that Ukraine is also home to Chernobyl. Great reporting by Bloomberg's Jonathan Tyrone. If you want to read more about this as we discuss things with the panel, Jeannie Shanzano is here, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst, along today with Lester Munson, principal at government relations firm BGR Group, former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Lester, thanks for coming back. Jeannie, uh, this is a scary conversation, and we're talking about it because it's actually happening in real time, and it's very difficult as Russia and Ukraine blame each other to understand exactly what's going on the ground at any given moment and what the actual risk level is here. Uh, but the danger is great. And when, when people talk about game changers, this would this would be one. It is. And, and, you know, it was fascinating. Listen to Mariana, because I thought she described beautifully at least what Ukrainian and United States officials are saying is going on. Yeah. And that is that Russia is targeting this electricity going into the plant and coming out of it. They want to redirect the power. And this, if we take a step back and look at what happened with Nord Stream 1 over the weekend, right. and now this, we are in the midst of a fight over energy and energy war. Putin is engaged in energy blackmail, and he is willing to risk something that could be equivalent of what led to the Fukushima meltdown, which mm -hmm. is if a plant loses power. So when you said catastrophe, that is exactly what the potential here is. But he has laid out that he is going to break this Western coalition and he's going to control energy in Europe if, if, if you know, at all for all stakes. And that's what we see him doing at this point. 
it's like the premise of a James Bond movie or something, Lester. This is something that Spectre might be up to here for an actual world leader, in this case, Vladimir Putin, to calculate that level of risk potentially against his own people as being acceptable, uh, I, I guess tells us a lot about who we're dealing with. Lester, how do you gauge the level of risk at this moment? Well, I think it's it's obviously very significant, and that's and that's exactly what Vladimir Putin wants. I think this may even go beyond just energy uh, politics and energy leverage. It's possible that Putin is using the nuclear power plant power plant as kind of the ultimate hostage in this war. <clears throat> his troops are not doing well on the ground. He's not achieving his goals. He hasn't overthrown Zelensky. He hasn't taken Kiev. He hasn't even taken Odessa. He's getting bogged down uh, in the south of Ukraine and may even now being pushed back by Ukrainian forces. This is his ace in the This may be his ace in the hole, and that may be how he looks at it to force at the end of this uh, an outcome that is at least somewhat acceptable to him. Wow. So they've got the, the, the plant offline right now, Jeannie. The question is, will the fighting continue? And can the inspectors get that security zone uh, around the plant? Can they get a moat of safety here around the plant? Because the United States cannot help. You've heard us ask any number of White House officials on this program, and they're not going there because it would require boots on the ground, if not a no-fly zone or whatever here. So you know, how can Ukraine trust what Russia is saying at any given moment when it involves this property? They simply cannot. And the United States will not go in. Uh, NATO allies will not go in. So they're not going to get a security zone. They're they're probably not going to get a security security zone. It's hard to imagine how Ukraine could do that unilaterally. And what that means is whether it is by accident or on purpose, how would we ever know? But what is potentially at stake here is very, very real and it's imminent. This has been six months they have controlled this plant and their plan is deepening. They have not moved away from what is a an attempt and, and a real effort to control this power plant and to control yeah. all of energy in Europe. And let's not forget, we heard today, Putin is meeting with Xi face-to-face next week. At the same time, Bloomberg is reporting, and we're hearing this from uh, the UN Secretary, the uh, Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, that a Chinese invasion of Taiwan remains a distinct threat. I mean, so you couple all these things, and, and it is a very precarious situation. Well, I'll tell you, uh, as I as I look at the map here, Lester, you know, you think about, I think the way Mariana put it was, it depends on the weather. A lot of, you know, if there were, in fact, a catastrophe in this plant, if there were a meltdown, uh, it's right next to the Donbass region, which, of course, borders Russia. What if this went in the other direction? What if this was a story for Romania? I don't know what's possible. I'm, I'm certainly, uh, I wouldn't want to begin to guess how far the fallout could go. But when you consider other NATO allies along the border of Ukraine, like Poland, uh, that triggers an Article 5, uh, potentially, does it not? That involves other nations that we don't want to have involved in this war. Yeah, um, and I, I'm certainly no nuclear expert or even a meteorologist, but uh, it's it's plausible that there's there's a scenario where this is threatening for for really for all of Europe, including Western Europe. Yeah. Uh, recall that during Chernobyl, we saw uh, radioactivity go as far away as Sweden, I believe. So, yeah, this is this is real nuclear blackmail that's happening right before our eyes. Nuclear blackmail and the concept of nuclear diplomacy, as we discussed with Mariana, to think that that's your career specialty, Jeannie. 
uh, is obviously an important one right now. Is there, are there any back channels the U.S. can use on a di- diplomatic level to try to avoid trouble here? You know, I I hope and I'm assuming we are trying as best we can with our NATO allies to engage in that kind of thing. But I think it's very difficult. And I would just go back in the spring. Putin laid out his strategy on this at that economic conference in St. Petersburg. And it is he he has stuck to that all this time. Scary times uh, discussing with Jeannie Shanzano. And today, Lester Munson making up our panel on the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We'll have the latest on the documents next. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The reports of what was found at Mar-a-Lago are getting slowly more specific. Today, the Washington Post says a document describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities, was among the trove taken from the House. We'll talk about the significance with Bloomberg's Billy House up next. It's the headline people in the nation's capital woke up to on the front page of the Washington Post. Files seized at Mar-a-Lago include material on foreign nations' nuclear capabilities, which certainly jumps off the page after, well, Donald Trump himself, of course, tipped us off to the search and then started posting not soon after, uh, or I should say soon after, about the fact that there were no nuclear documents in there because there had been some reporting about this. Now this gets specific. Only the president, some members of his cabinet, or a near-cabinet-level official could authorize other government officials to know details of these special access programs. This is how high level this is. People familiar with the search speaking, not a shocker on condition of anonymity. Billy House is with us, a Bloomberg legal reporter, uh, to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, Billy, thanks for for coming in here. The the level of significance uh, is great. We have no idea what was in most of these boxes and on most of these documents. So any filling in of the blanks is interesting. And boy, this is the big stuff. Can you put that in perspective for us? Well, it is big stuff. Uh, In fact, uh, Trump himself had denounced such uh, early reporting that there was nuclear-related documents, uh, uh, calling it a sleazy hoax and that sort of thing. But now, according to the Post reporting, we find that it it is true that there were some uh, top-secret nuclear documents regarding a a foreign uh, country and its capabilities and defense capabilities. that Trump had stashed among those boxes at his uh, estate in Florida. The the conversation about having a special master takes on new significance as well. When you start realizing the level of security here around these documents, there are not a lot of people who have a clearance to start sifting through these boxes, Billy. How do they do that? Well, that's absolutely correct. There there are people, obviously, there with uh, top-secret security clearance, but this is above top-secret security clearance. And so what you need is somebody that is willing to take on the role of deciding for or helping a court decide what is privileged, either lawyer-client privilege or executive privilege material uh, in this top secret, uh, uh, you know, uh, genre. 
and then try to help sort for the judge what, you know, the, that, uh, the legal arguments that both the DOJ and the, and the, and Trump's team are going to make about to how they sort out those legally. Uh, there are very few people that would have the qualifications for that yeah. and probably even fewer that would want to do it. Boy, I don't know how exactly you just phrased that. This is a higher level of classification than top secret. Can you explain what that means to our listeners? There is uh, obviously uh, various levels, uh, but DOJ has said some of the materials are labeled with the highest classification, uh, something called TSSCI, top yes. secret sensitive type. But that is that is not what about one point. There are about one million people that have some sort of top secret clearances, but a lot fewer have that higher level. Those are the type of people that uh, deal with those issues and maybe a few uh you know, FISA court, foreign intelligence court judges right. might have that. So this isn't a st- this isn't about storage, Billy. This isn't about whether there was a second lock on the door or which room at Mar-a-Lago. These should never have left Washington D.C. These these are property of the government, no matter uh, what Donald Trump is suggesting about the method in which uh, his home was searched. This stuff has to come back to D.C. Absolutely. I mean, it should have never left D.C. I don't know who. If he, he, we don't think that president, former president, actually picked up these boxes and carried them themselves to his estate. So that means they were actually in the hands of probably a lot of people or some people that didn't have any kind of authority to have it. Beyond that, uh, some of the stuff appears could be missing from those boxes. We don't know. Uh, that's sort of the thing that is, is going to be sorted out over the next months and even perhaps longer. Uh, but we, uh, you know, this, this is all very troubling, obviously. Yeah. Billy, a great story uh, on the terminal right now that you wrote up. You spoke with Ken Feinberg, uh, who was a special master. And uh, some folks might know him, actually. He was involved in the 9-11 terror attacks, the compensation, uh, the mortgage crisis, as you point out, the 737 MAX disasters. He certainly spent some time uh, in, in front of the news media. What did he tell you about finding the right person? Well, he said you not only have to find somebody qualified, that meaning with all the security clearances required, uh, but also somebody that's maybe not going to want the Justice Department barking at them. Remember, the Justice Department doesn't think this special master review is even needed. And ultimately, uh, you know, Trump will go after, as he always does, whoever makes any decision that's contrary to what he wants. And and so this person, if, uh, no matter what it's rep- his or her reputation, is going to be attacked by Trump more than likely. How long will it take for them to be chosen and appointed? Uh, well, the, the judge, Eileen uh, Cannon in Florida, is asked for uh, both sides, Trump and the Justice Department, to submit their candidates by Friday. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't expect a, an early you know, resolution on an agreement by the two sides. Boy. Ken Feinberg is an interesting one to speak with here. Uh, I presume he's not going to be among those uh, who are interviewed for the job. He tells me he doesn't have those security clearances necessary, but he certainly would be a fascinating candidate if he did. Boy, that's for sure. Billy, thanks for joining us, as always. Uh, Billy House, who I uh, appointed to our legal department, actually Congress reporter is what I meant to say here on Bloomberg Sound On. I mean, it's the fastest hour in politics. Sometimes this happens. Joining you from the nation's capital with storm clouds on the horizon. And I mean that literally, actually, in this case. Uh, As the kids get back to school, the traffic is getting a little bit heavier because the members are also coming back. So our first couple of 
uh, Senate news conferences today. The House will be back next week. Fascinating conversation uh, with Bill Barr again about this whole story as well today. The former attorney general uh, making it clear that he thinks the DOJ is close to having what it needs to make an indictment. Here's Bill Barr on Fox. There are two questions. Will the government be able to make out a technical case? Will they have evidence by which that, w- that they could indict somebody on, including him? And I, that's the first question. And I think they're getting very close to that point, frankly. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, there's another question is, do you indict a former president? What will that do to the country? What kind of precedent will that set? Will the people really understand that this is not, you know, failing to return a library book, that this was serious? And that's what we're going to discuss next as we reassemble the panel. Jeannie Shanzano, of course, coming back, Bloomberg Politics contributor, joined today by Lester Munson of BGR Group. We'll check traffic and markets for you on the way as well. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As lawmakers return to the nation's capital, hey, it's been a while. We have been waiting for you. I'm going to miss the parking, though, and to tell you, the traffic was just awful this morning getting into town. I won't dwell on that. But, boy, you can tell when they're back, and this is just the Senate so far. Democrats, of course, quick to gather in front of microphones to condemn former President Trump and the discovery of documents. Republicans, not so much. Senator Josh Hawley let him have it. Even referring to Donald Trump, by the way, as the likely 2024 nominee, which I found interesting, as many suspect Hawley will run the second he hears that there's an opening, should there be one. He wasn't having any of this and condemned the Justice Department. The fact that having done all of that, DOJ would go into court and with a straight face and say, oh, we don't need anybody to review it. We've reviewed it. Take, take our word for it. We've reviewed it, and we think it's okay, is unbelievable. So I think the judge appointing a special master, is the, this is, that is standard in these kind of cases, to have somebody look and separate out what's privileged and not privileged. And I certainly don't trust DOJ to do it. Don't trust the Department of Justice to do it. Senator Pat Toomey, uh, who is no Josh Hawley, uh, typically of more moderate tone here, Smells something fishy as well. It does not appear that everything was done quite appropriately, um, but I have not really uh, delved into the details of this. Okay. John Kennedy, Republican from Louisiana, always good for a line. And he wasn't really joking around today, talking about trust in our institutions. I worry that all of this will undermine people's confidence in the FBI and the Department of Justice, both uh, in terms of the people there and and the two organizations as institutions, and I think that's unfortunate. Which, I don't know, is also, you know, it's kind of 
couple of weeks late. We've been hearing defund the FBI since the day they showed up at Mar-a-Lago. Let's reassemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano is here today along with Lester Munson of BGR Group. Uh, Lester, this is an interesting conversation here uh, because people are assuming a lot on both sides. Other than this report today from the Washington Post, the government certainly hasn't told us what documents. We saw the, the, the cover pages on them, but we don't know exactly what they have. Uh, Republicans don't either. This is a dangerous time to start taking hard positions on this, isn't it? Uh, it really is. And uh, this, this, there's clearly a dilemma for law enforcement. They've got a, a set of facts that they're dealing with, and we don't know all of them, that look very bad for the former president. On the other hand, he's the former president. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is, uh, for better or worse, uh, the leader uh, kind of in in waiting of, of a party out of power. Uh, and so they've got to weigh the facts as they see them with uh, the likely political implications of, of indicting him. That's right. Uh, it's, not, it's not unlike what we saw in 2016. It's not a perfect comparison at all. Uh, but this is, a, this is a real tough question for, for DOJ and the FBI. There's no doubt. As you heard Jeannie from uh, Bill Barr a couple of minutes ago, he says there are two questions here. One is, do they have what they need to to make the case to indict. He says, yeah, and they're going to probably be there pretty soon. Uh, he, he thinks they're just about done. But then the second question is, do you do this to a, to a former president? Uh, if I had kept playing that interview for you, you would have heard him say no. He does not think, despite his strident remarks recently about this case, that we should be indicting a former president. That's what this is going to come down to. These are the two questions. Yeah, what the Washington Post reported last night has made it increasingly clear. Most legal experts say that the Department of Justice is going to have a difficult time not bringing criminal charges. And that is going to raise the specter that you and Lester were just talking about. Do you indict a former president? Because the reality is, is if this wasn't a former president, he would be convicted. This is an incredibly obvious case. And that's the consensus. Don't you know? worry about liberal or Democratic or even moderate legal experts. Hmm. You're talking about, you know, pretty conservative legal experts like Bill Barr. You simply cannot have this material. And the fact, even if he had them declassified, and that's a big if, he still couldn't have them in his possession in Mar-a-Lago. So it's starting to be an open and shut case. And that raises this question, putting all that aside, do you decide not to indict because he's a former president? And I think that's a very difficult question, not unlike the one President Ford encountered, and there's not going to be any easy answer or to that. Lester, you spent time as staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You understand intimately the importance of these documents. Are you surprised that more Republicans, specifically in the Senate, are not standing up to condemn this or at least say, hey, hold on here. Let's reserve judgment. This doesn't look right. Yeah, I, you know, frankly, I'd like to see a lot more nuance from these members where they can uh, it's fine if they want to advance the political judgment that you don't invite, indict a former president, <clears throat> even one of their party. Uh, yeah. But they, they should be clear that on the facts, on the details of this case, this is not acceptable behavior. You don't just uh, take classified material and leave it lying around uh, a social club. That's not something that should be done under any circumstances. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeannie, it's going to be a slow drip like this. It's, you know, one brick after another here, and it could be some time 
before we know what this story is all about. Certainly, as I think we've established on this program, it's going to have to be after the midterms if this unspoken 60-day rule uh, is in place. But if Bill Barr thinks they're close to a case, I mean, that would indicate we could actually have uh, at least an idea of whether there's going to be an indictment or not by the beginning of next year. That leaves that leaves two years of campaigning for president. Yeah. And unlike the midterm where Donald Trump is not on the ballot, although to Lester's point, he's clearly the head of this party and he's incredibly important, you know, political figure. He may very well be on the ballot for the presidential election, which raises a whole nother host of questions. And of course, the DOJ has so many questions to contend with. Do they prosecute based on this information? Because that might mean he and his attorneys would get access to this information and it's highly classified. So, so many issues for them to contend with. And as you were talking about with Billy previously, of course, how do you even get a special master with the clearance and the ability and the interest in reviewing this? So, you know, I think it's going to be a while before we know what they do. But, you know, again, if you or I had these things, we would be in jail. There would be no question. The issue here is it's a former president. Lester, what's your take on the special master? Do we ever get that far? Is the DOJ going to appeal? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, it's this. This is a Loki-like uh, intervention by the former president, uh, kind of showing his character. Uh, <laughs> he just seems to produce chaos wherever he goes. Wow! Uh, to the delight of his fans uh, and some of his voters, I suppose. Um, so he's playing around his stall, is what you're saying? Yeah, and he's and he's um, you know he's going to work every angle and try to use all of this to his advantage. And let's be clear about this, Joe. This helps Trump. His his standing in the party mm-hmm. has improved. The people who are Trump skeptics or never Trumpers even are saying, "Well, gosh, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be doing this to a former president." They're yeah, they're kind right. of rallying to him. Uh, it, it is making him more likely to be the nominee than otherwise. So, how long can that go on for, though? I mean, if there's an indictment, how much will we would we learn at that point, Lester, about what was taken? Uh, it's a great it's a great question. We, uh, we don't know um, how he could be indicted, but not tried before an election in two years. These things yeah. drag out for a very long time unless he's in some rocket docket somewhere uh, and they go to trial very quickly. He's likely to be indicted, but not uh, have not put on trial yet while he's a candidate for president. That's not an improbable scenario. And that's perfectly legal, Jeannie, right? You can run for president if you're under indictment. You haven't been convicted of anything. You absolutely can. And can you imagine what that will be like? Yeah. And I just want to follow up. But Lester's right. This helps Donald Trump. This also helps the Democrats in the midterm, because, again, the more Trump, the better for the Democrats in the midterm. It does not help Republicans like Mitch McConnell and others who want desperately to take the Senate. And, you know, obviously the House, I think, still goes Republican. But this is a problem for many Republicans across the country. But he's right in these primaries, as we saw in Massachusetts last night. Trump has been incredibly, incredibly popular. Great insights today from Jeannie and, of course, Lester Munson. Thank you both. Jeannie Shanzano, uh, Bloomberg Politics contributor with us here on Sound On. My God, we've got a lot to learn still. That's why you have to be with us every night and subscribe to the podcast Bloomberg Sound On wherever you get your podcasts. Did you hear, by the way, big reunion today with some comedy at the White House? President and Dr. Biden... Vice President Harris and Second Gentleman Emhoff, uh, 
Thank you so much for your hospitality. There it is. Uh, thanks for letting us invite a few friends to the White House. Uh, we will try not to tear up the place. The Obamas back in the House indeed. Barack Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama. They had the big portrait unveiling uh, today at the White House. Very nice because this never happened during the Trump administration. A photorealistic painting by Robert McCurdy. That goes to Barack Obama. What I love about Robert's work is that he paints people exactly the way they are, for better or worse. <laughs> he captures every wrinkle on your face, every crease in your shirt. You'll note that he refused to hide any of my gray hairs, refused my request to make my ears smaller. He didn't even put them in a tan suit either. Of course, Michelle got her portrait as well. The former president of the United States saying in the East Room that she is fine. All right, we'll meet you back here tomorrow with the latest from Washington. You can count on us. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.